Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. Uh, my name is Joe Marcellina. Alongside me again, former high school football coach Mike Lockman. Coach, thanks again for being here. Evening, Joe. Uh, we are recording this at Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashua. You can send us questions for an upcoming show by emailing nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at nhhsports. Uh, the show will be available every Wednesday morning at nh-highschoolsports.com and also on iTunes. And, uh, you know, now we are we're really in the thick of things here. It's it's finally fall outside. Yeah. Um, despite the fact I'm still wearing shorts. Uh, I yeah, I didn't notice that, but I <laughs> uh, that, it hasn't been a frost overnight yet here in Nashville. It's so, pretty uh, damn cold out today, uh, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I, I run a little bit warmer than I think most people do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Fair. you know, it is it is finally fall. I finished putting up all my uh, my Halloween decorations this afternoon. Yeah. Um, yeah, today felt like football. Yeah, I know it's a Tuesday, yeah. but like it felt like one of those days where you just wanted to be at a game. Very crisp feel to the air. A little yeah. bit windy. Um, in the sun, it was nice and warm, but you know, once that the clouds came over, it was uh, was pretty cool. So, yep. and it looks like we're gonna. I think uh, I think this weekend looks pretty good. So we might have a nice, uh, nice another nice Friday, Saturday. We've, we've lucked out for the most part. We I really think. have. I don't think there's been a rainy. I don't think there's been a rainy one yet, if I remember. A little bit this past Saturday, I was. Uh, yeah. I, the fourth quarter that I was at the Goffstown Nashua South game, and uh, I spent most of the fourth quarter trying to keep my paper from disintegrating while yeah. I was uh, while I was uh, taking notes um, yeah we had a, another big weekend uh, I know I, if you don't mind we'll start at the game I was at Friday night yeah. that Merrimack Concord game that you know I I, I kind of went into that thinking that, that Merrimack was going to be the team that would end up winning that game I you know first time I've seen them this year uh, I've seen Concord a couple times um, know that they're a little undersized but they got some good speed um just curious what they might be able to do against Merrimack's defense, and I would say Merrimack's defense was as advertised. Like they they were dominant. Yeah. Um, really gave up one big play. Uh, you know, but until after until things got out of hand in the second half, but um, you know, just a great performance by them. I was I, w I came away very impressed with Merrimack. Yeah, you were you were ta saying before the show even that that uh, you felt the performance was good. First of all, I I, I do want to mention. I thought that the the show of respect that Merrimack uh, gave Concord. Um, I don't remember the young man who tragically uh, passed away. Leo today, um, uh, and and uh, originally the game was going to be Thursday. Thursday night, night but it got yep, pushed yep, off pushed because of weather. Because of the rain, yeah. I thought it was uh, really special that the Merrimack offense took a knee there, and then uh, you know I just saw the film of it. Uh, one of the coaches had posted it on social media, and then the well, kids stood up and they sort of sort of hugged each other and they didn't say anything to, they must not have said anything to Concord because I could hear some of the Concord coaches saying be ready yeah be oh ready. yeah yeah you can hear it on the film and uh, I thought to myself man that would be awful if a team was trying to was just doing that and then all of a sudden all everybody stood up and ran a play like yeah, that that's yeah. but you know that that wasn't the case well, that's um, pretty cool that's one of those things that makes high school football special and then like you said and then on to the game and respect and and uh and tragedy aside, Merrimack came to work and, and uh, you know, like it, a sloppy it was beginning. Yeah, they started out a little sloppy, a couple penalties, a couple of lost, you know, negative plays. Um, they came away with a big defensive play, getting an interception, a really nice nice tip ball drill kind of um, by Zach Twardarski yep. um, on the sidelines. Just I, I don't know if he even had control of the ball until right before he hit the ground, um, stayed in bounds. Um, you know, and then two plays later, they go. Ben Eichmann goes um, 80 plus yards for a touchdown through a hole that 
you know, not to be too cliche, but could have driven a truck through. Yeah, you um, said you just said that the offense was monstrous hole mauled um, them. And yeah. Ben Eichmann doesn't need a huge no, hole no. To, <laughs> to, to have a no. big run. I mean, he's been a monster all year on the ground and in the passing game. So. Yeah, and then on the next Merrimack series, they c- were inches away from another big play from uh, James Dowling had Garrett Murray wide open um, streaking down the sideline and just missed him. Yeah. Um, they ended up not doing anything on that drive, but then on the next drive, first play, they they actually – Concord pinned them at the one yard line on a punt and got I didn't see what happened um, and it wasn't I didn't get an like a, a clarification afterwards um, got called for a personal foul for something so mm. Merrimack got the ball got moved out to the Merrimack 16 um, on that play they went right back to the exact same play you know they connected on it this time Murray went uh, I think it was 84 yards yeah. for a touchdown um, I love when you see that play calling by I the way it's like, like hey we were just an inch away like Let's just do, do it right again. Yeah, I mean, right. I figured they'd go back to it, but that quickly. Yeah. Um, but you know, then I guess you know, Dave Jackson likes to be a little aggressive with his his play calling. I would I say think that's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'm surprised maybe that they didn't go to f- that very next play. Yeah. Um, but you know, they go fourteen nothing on that touchdown right before the end of the f- the first quarter. Um, you know, Eichmann yet runs off another long one um, th- through another hole that. You know, I, I did get some video of, if you go back and look, the entire, you know, right side of the, the offensive and defensive line is just gone yeah. from the picture. That That's how big the hole was. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I was, again, I, can't, I came away very impressed with Merrimack. Um, you know, they look like they're clicking at just the right time. Their two toughest games yep. potentially of the season here. You know, this week they North. host Nashua North um, in a game that's going to be for the the West Conference yep. first first place there, and then they end the season at at Bedford, which you know I mentioned that to to Kip Jackson after the game, and he just kind of sighed and rolled his eyes about having to go back to Bedford yep. uh, again. Um, but hey, it's a, it's a new year, it's a new team, and <laughs> yeah, you know the thing that it'll be interesting to see that North Merrimack matchup because the thing that's most in, most impressive about Merrimack is. It's the balance that they've achieved on offense this year. Um, they haven't really shown that in past years. I, not to say they haven't been able to, you know, two years ago they could throw the heck out of the ball. They didn't right, need to run. Right. I mean, they could just throw on anybody. Last year I think they struggled to find balance on either side of the ball, I, you know, running or passing, I should they, say. They almost, it almost felt like they knew they had a playmaker in, in Joe Eichmann, and they felt like everyone else knew it too. Yeah. And maybe – tried to say well we're going to spread it around yeah right instead of going to him too right. much yeah don't um, don't uh you know don't overdo yeah. a good thing yeah. maybe and um but this year it's the balance on offense that has been impressive about them but and then it's the defense they're like i've seen them a couple times I, i'm familiar with them uh from from uh you know seeing some things on film and stuff and defensively there's not a weakness I mean, it's very, you know, it's very difficult to look at them defensively and say, oh, well, you know, their linebacker core and their secondary is good, but their 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 front four are weak, or boy, they're they're great on the outside, but if you get, you know, if you pound them inside, you get a good chance. There's no weaknesses, uh, not that I've been able to see. Right. Any, you know, yeah. in in my experience, their front is excellent. Their backers are quick and read well. They have athletes across the board in the secondary. I mean, b- to varying degrees of experience, but all very good. All that would start on probably any other team. That that's legit. 
all right, can we go watch this game now? I'm ready for the, the, this <laughs> for the North, North Merrimack the game North now. Game. Yeah, I don't well, want to. I don't want to wait till Friday. To stop, um, you know, Curtis Harris. Curtis Harris. Who, um, we we failed to mention last week. I thought about this after we ended that the you know kid had almost 300 yards rushing in the, in North's win over BG. Yeah. Um, probably would have had that again against Keene, but um, that game was out of hand uh, pretty early Very on. Early, Came yeah. out, still had over 100 yards. 100 yards in the f- in the first half, three touchdowns. Uh, in the f- in the f- in the half, right? Um, I mean, he he is one of those kids that, from watching him this year, I mean, he's he's incredibly. He's only a sophomore. He's got tremendous size for a sophomore in terms yeah. of height. He could probably add on a f- uh, you know probably fifteen pounds or so. Yeah. Um, but his speed and and his his decision making and and his agility is just it, it's not. There are not many sophomores that that play like that. Yeah. And sometimes you just wonder. I mean, how does he? How does he do it? You know, especially in in those formations where they're giving him the ball on direct snaps. Yeah, you know what's coming, and they still can't stop it. Right. Yeah, uh, he's one of those guys where, as a sophomore, you just you hope that Coach Lorendi, who I'm sure has made this point fifteen times already this season after seeing what he can do, you know, you hope that he listens to the, to his coach, which is make sure you're in the weight room in the next two seasons, make sure you stay healthy, make sure your grades are up. Because you could do some really special things as a junior and a senior, um, so hopefully, he's one of those guys that uh, that doesn't take for granted how much talent he has, right? And, and and does listen to what his coaches say about get in the weight room, keep yourself healthy, play other sports, you know, be an athlete, keep your grades there, and yeah, he's he's tremendous, tremendous young talent. So that's I think that's the big matchup there is what we said Merrimack's defense against North's yep. offense and 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 Harris. Um, you know, a couple other really great games from this weekend. That um, uh, Salem Winnicott, um, you know, after winning 18 in a row, Salem, or excuse me, Winnicott now looking at 0-2 in their last two after a, uh, <coughs> excuse me, loss at home to, to Salem. Um, you know, a game that was probably a lot bigger for Salem yeah. given how stacked that that south conference is yeah yeah it's funny i saw that uh when had 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 lost the game 20 to 13 and you know you and i were sort of tongue-in-cheek a couple weeks ago about the all the talk about the d1 win streak uh, record <laughs> and all this stuff and i'm like man i hope somebody didn't jinx them i mean the first rule in sports is you don't talk about that kind of stuff i don't think when a was talking about no, that, so, but it was no. being discussed and uh and, and well, well. To be fair, it was a Winnicott coach, the assistant coach, that started pushing it oh, on okay, the media. Okay. I did not know. So that. Okay, let's, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't run off on. It wasn't the players. Yep. There was an assistant coach though that was reaching out to, to media members. Oh, okay, and, I, I was unaware yeah, of that. Yeah. yeah, you would know that. I wouldn't. And you know that's so that I, I feel kind of bad about that. But don't jinx yourself, man. You know. <laughs> um, but I'm looking at. I'm looking at that. I mean Salem, and Winnicott are almost mirror images of each other, right? Yeah, Both teams yeah. have been banged up at various times through the years. They've lost key people, but they've had that next man up sort of production uh, from from guys that y- you, you may not have heard their names before, and then right. all of a sudden, you know, this guy or that guy is having a 140-yard game. You know, Salem kind of did that same thing that Winnicott's been doing. They had, um, y- you know, o- almost 100 yards more offense than Winnicunnet had, which when you think about the Winnicunnet defense and, and, and how well they've played, that's something to be said. Uh, Kyle Poulin had a third of that production, uh, you know, from the quarterback position with 109 yards in the air. 
And William Mishad had 120 yards and 11 carries. I don't know that we've talked about him on the shot. I mean, we've talked about <laughs> some of the other Salem backs there as time has gone on. I, but I, 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 there are so many of them. I yeah. don't know how we could talk about all of them. So they just um, figure they out just grow who on the next they must, guy They is must be growing on trees out there. Yeah. You know, they, they've been doing all that construction out there in Salem. They found a... You know, a hole in the ground where all these run <laughs> running backs are growing. They're just, you know. I never had one of those in the towns that I was <laughs> <No>. coaching. <laughs> and uh, you should have back. You should have gone to Salem. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when I kind of this week, um, they go to Timberlane. You know, looking at that one, you look at that and say they should win that game. Um, then they return home for the finale of all finales against Pinkerton. Pinkerton. Rematch of last year's championship yep. game. A and despite, you know, two-game losing streak, potentially finishing the year losing three or four, I'd still say that game's bigger for Pinkerton. I agree. I do, yeah. I mean, because, you know, Winnicott's got the, – if they if they beat Timberlane and they lose to Pinkerton, they finish six and three. Um, you know, Dover's right behind them uh, at four and three right now. Dover, who had a signature who win, by the way. You know, phenomenal win yep. over Exeter and kind of shockingly put – Exeter out of the playoff oh. picture. Yep. Um, you know, that's that I believe that does it for them. I, I think so. I and think that was a, 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 a sort of make or break yeah, game for both yeah. programs. Um, so I believe first time since 2011, I want to say, that Exeter won't be in the playoffs, um, which was their first year moving up to Division One. Yeah, they went winless. Or I'm sorry, was that 20? That might have been 2010. I know um, that the first year up, they went winless. They went the winless, second year, yeah. they were undefeated. Yeah, yeah. It was like the biggest turnaround, and yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, but I mean, but when it kind of, you know, holds the head-to-head -head tiebreaker with Dover, so if they yeah. both finish six and three at the top of the d the conference, and only one team gets in, then when it, it kind of gets the nod. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, and Dover has a tough finish here at Londonderry, and then home to Salem. Yeah. To end the season. I don't think by any stretch either Dover is a one-man show, but I mean, I just got to mention this Ty Vitko athlete that he's a quarterback, and I think he's a defensive back on the on the defensive side of the ball. That sounds but I mean, correct. Dover was down. So a couple of things that were, were great about that game. Dover was down ten nothing with three minutes and change left. Ended up going into the half fourteen ten. Wow. I mean, right there, that's huge. And then Vitko had a monster night with. He had a strip fumble recovery for a fifty-five yard touchdown. I think to open so, somewhere on the opening drive of the of the of the second half. I think you know Exeter um, probably took the first the, the kick. He had two rushing touchdowns, a passing touchdown. He's ten of fifteen for one thirty in the air. Like I said, I don't want to say that Dover is a one-man show, but that's a monster night. You know, you talk about uh, Harris having a monster night. We've had some of these these nights from kids, and, and I, I thought that one was worth mentioning, especially against a team they probably haven't beaten in. I think it was 2004. Yeah. They haven't beaten them since 2004. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's a win that, that kind of, you know, they've had some games this year. Um, you know, they were tied with Pinkerton in the third quarter of that game before Pinkerton ran away. You know, they, they lose to Winnicott at 20 to 10, you know, another close game. Yep. Uh, you know, who knows what that do this one does to propel them forward because, I mean, it's one of those instances where, you know, you win a game like this and finally you start believing, Yeah. you know, we can win these kind of games. And Exeter-Dover has some history. I mean, it's not Exeter-Winnicott, but there's there's a rivalry and a history there that goes way back. So that, that's, a, that's a big win for them. Uh, the other game I was at uh, this past weekend, uh, Nashua South at Goffstown on Saturday, um, you know, was was an entertaining game. I don't, you know, obviously at this point, South now two and five on the season. They've lost um, four in a row. Yeah. 
and, out of the and terribly banged at this up. Point. Yeah, incredibly banged up. They yep. were without starting quarterback Dante Young, starting running back and linebacker Jalen Pacheco. Yeah. Um, Christopher Keefe came in and, and and played quarterback for them, who had been in, you know battling for the job in the preseason, but they had been using him at, at, in the slot most of this year. So he has. So you're down a slot you know, now. Well, not down a slot and yep. playing a kid who hasn't been getting reps at quarterback. Um, you know, he looked. He had his moments. You yep. know, he he played well enough. Um, they just they were too beat up. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think and and um, you know they went almost the entire first half without a first down. Yeah. Uh, and now Gostown, who started 0 and 3, 0 and 3 looks right in the picture. I mean, at 4 and 3, they would be. They hold the tiebreakers now with Concord and Manchester Central. Yep. You know, that. Who knows if that's going to hold? Yeah. Depending on 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 what plays out over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, you were explaining that whole thing to me as we were getting ready here, and I thought my brains were going to start. Yeah, there's there's too, too many. Too many scenarios at yeah. this point. I think to next week, if it's we uh, can talk about it next yeah, week. Yeah. <laughs> you only want to book one right. game ahead, yeah, right? We're That's not. We're not um, <laughs> yeah, we're not getting ahead of ourselves. Right. Here. We're uh, one week at a time, uh, except when we're not one week at a time. Right. Um, you know, some other other scores that kind of stood out was, um, you know, not maybe not so much because of the how close it was or anything, but Bedford fifty nine, BG twenty seven. Yeah. Um, no one had scored on Bedford for about a month and a half or yeah. something like that. And BG puts up 27. Um, I in think fact, I think BG struck first. Yeah, they actually had the lead in that yep. game. It's kind of interesting there. Um, you know, BG this week hosts Goffstown, which potentially could be without starting quarterback Charlie Keith. Yeah. He got hurt in the first quarter on, on Saturday. Yeah, although um, Hanalt came in and played really played well. Played really well. No, no word, though, on what, you know, what Keith, the injury was, yeah. how long he's going to be out. Um, you know, Justin Huff didn't sound too positive. I asked him if he could have come back and played if they'd needed him, and he said no. Yeah. We're not, you know, they weren't really sure how bad it was. Yeah. He was walking around on the sidelines afterwards, so that was a good sign, but um, you know, I guess we'll we'll find out Saturday when they come line up, but you're right. Jared Hunt came in and played well in that first half. I think in the second half they got a not comfortable lead and maybe things got a little bit away from them. They, they didn't move the ball as well yeah. in that second half, um, but, you know, he looked like he knew what he was doing out there. Yeah. Like he had a good grasp of what was going on. Yeah, he played a little bit, if I remember correctly, in the Jamboree, too. Yep. Keith got hurt. Yeah. And I think wisely, they said, hey, have a seat. And uh, and so he cut his teeth early out there uh, in terms of that type of play in the Jamboree. Yeah, and so he's, a, he's a kid that starts on defense, too. So yeah. he's out. He's on the field. Yeah, yeah. He's not going to have a whole bunch of butterflies. He'll step in and play. Any uh, any thought on where you're going? Uh, are you going to be any D1 games this uh this weekend, or I haven't looked that far ahead. I I would love to go to the Merrimack that North that game. That is where I will yeah. be on Friday night. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think if I if I am able to go to one, I might go to that game. Yeah. Uh, let's take a let's take a, a look at D two, because um, I think there were some some scores that kind of I don't say were eye opening, but were big in terms of of you know positioning through the playoffs. Yeah. Um, you know you had. Bo going up to Hanover, beating Hanover 22-8 to in a game that, um, you know, that's Hanover's first regular season loss, I believe, going back to 2016. I yeah. think they lost late to John Stark. But overall, I think that's their fourth loss in three years, and three of those losses have been to Bo, hmm. if I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah. I think there were two. I know they lost, they lost to Bo in the playoffs last year. I think they did the year before, too. 
Interesting. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. It sound. I mean, it was a good game. I mean, but Bo, you think about the quality of team we know Hanover to be. Bo rushes for 228 yards. Um, uh, you know, uh, they held Hanover to 63 yards rushing and 77 passing yards. So that's that's impressive. Yeah, Bo kind of. I was Hanover. Hanover. Yeah, yeah, they were yeah. able to play the physical game there, and um, sounded like offensive lineman Andrew Baruby, who's a 300 pound pluser. You know, I mean, sounds like uh, almost like a college college caliber kid, and on the offensive line was just was just plowing. Uh, the Hanover defense and making room for those backs. So, you know, Bo finishes the year with Kennett this week at home. Then they come down to Sauhegan. Uh, we're um, they come down to Sauhegan on on the f- last Friday of the season. Uh, you know, I, I got to imagine they're going to be a little bit favored in that game. Uh, I think it's safe to say they might be playing at home. Fi- they might finally be a higher seed yeah. coming into the playoffs. Uh, you know, this year, as after being the seventh seed two years ago, the eighth seed last yeah. year, although that's worked out upset fairly everybody. well for them yeah, in terms yeah. of their yeah, playoff. Maybe, you know, maybe they don't. Maybe this is bad news right. for them. <laughs> right. I don't think they're going to look at it that way. But uh, but yeah, I mean, they've they've done well from the seventh and eighth seed in terms of getting to that the finals both years. So yeah. and of, of course, Hanover has a, a rough stretch to end this too. They have to go to John Stark this Saturday, home against Plymouth to finish the year. Um, yeah, that's you know, that's, that's a, a, a tough. Although you know Stark has has maybe a little bit down from what we thought at the beginning of the year. They of course lose an overtime game to Alvern this w- this past week. Yeah, um, that was anybody's game though. From what I read, it was that was an interesting one. It, it was it was uh, both teams scored on the opening drives, missed the conversion, so it was six six after two po- you know one possession for each team, and that was it. That was it for the rest of the game and. Uh, I'm just looking at it here. You know, the Stark D held Alvern to 16 yards, got two turnovers, and allowed only one first down in the second half. Wow. And the Alvern defense held Stark to 82 total yards for the game. So, you know, it's interesting because both teams play, use essentially the same offensive scheme. It's like a single wing, um, kind of unbalanced look, direct snap kind of thing, heavy run, lots of linemen pulling and gap blocking. So, I think the familiarity, right? Because it's hard to simulate right, that. As, yeah. You know, if I'm an opponent and I'm looking at that unbalanced single wing stuff, I'm like, ah, oh, how do Where we simulate this? What that? Are we doing? Yeah. Right. But I think de- both teams probably defensively um, had an advantage because your scout team can run that stuff. They know how to run it, you know? So it, sh- it kind of showed up a little bit. Is both teams played really sound defense. Is that for, this is a side, uh, often a tangent here. Is that four teams now in the state that are running the single wing? Them two, yeah. Campbell West and, and West. Campbell. Yep. We might uh, have that more. We know of. Yeah, that, yeah. That we know there might of. be more teams running the single wing now than any point since the uh, maybe the what the sixties. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Could it goes back to like the eighteen nineties. <laughs> yeah. So, but obviously effective. But but I think that's probably. I mean, I don't know. But but my guess is that both teams were probably geared up well defensively because their scout teams could actually simulate the offense that they were going to be facing and you well know they weren't they probably weren't you know confused by it right exactly yeah. and they know what to key on and i mean each one is unique and they do different things but uh that's a huge win for alver i mean huge win because stark's still a quality well, team it, it keeps them ahead of um you know what's turning into a real interesting group in that south conference of course alver at six and one st thomas at six and one st thomas holds the head-to-head tiebreaker there yeah um you know, and then you've got Milford at five and two, and then Sauhegan, Hollisbrook line, and Pelham, who've 
Sauhegan has beaten both of those teams. Yeah. They're all at four and three. Um, they might, I mean, they're, all, they're not all getting in. Two right. of them might get in. Right. All three of them are not getting in unless something really crazy happens, yeah. which just might actually happen. I was looking at this a little bit um, earlier because you've got, okay, Alvern's at six and one, Milford's at five and two. Like I said, Sauhegan Hall's Pelham four and three. Hanover at six and one, but we mentioned their tough schedule to finish the year. I think, I think it's possible um, all of those teams could end up six and three. Hmm. I, I haven't, I haven't figured. Actually, I, I take that back because Alvern has to play Hollis, but the majority of those teams could finish six and three. It's likely, or or it could end up happening that maybe one or two teams that finish the year six and three don't get into the playoffs this oh. in Division Two this year. Yeah. Which did happen a couple years ago. Yep. You remember Conval goes six and three, yep. misses out on the playoffs, uh, and teams in you know Hollis the one yeah. is the one that comes to mind at seven and two made it. Yeah. Uh, I think that a couple year. years ago Milford was six and three and didn't make it. A couple yeah, few that years sounds ago. right. Yeah. yeah. They had yeah. a good season but just didn't didn't cut so in. So it's um I, I think that just goes to say how competitive and even Division two is this year. Yeah. Um, you know, as much as, as, as Plymouth looks like the favorite at, at seven and oh, um, you know, and they they, they played they quality played, teams played, too. Played St. Thomas very well. Um, they beat up on Bo, they beat up on, on Stark. We'll see what happens with Hanover. Um, but I don't think they're that much further ahead from everybody. No. And and I don't think there's much difference between maybe the next eight or nine teams. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's gonna, gonna be. I was gonna ask you that if if the Sauhegan win this weekend had effectively knocked Hollis Brookline out, no. but it doesn't sound well. Like right it. now, right now Hollis would be in. I believe is the eight seed. Wow. Yeah. Now who does Hollis have this week? You, s I think you mentioned they. It oh, did I? No, they they play Alvern this week. Alvern. Yeah. yeah, play so Alvern this week, and then they finish at home with St. Thomas. Oh. So, yeah. A and they haven't been playing well this month. No. You know, I mean, is that two in a row? For Hollis, that they've lost because um, they lost to Pelham. They lost to Pelham. They beat Sanborn in between, and okay, they lost okay. to Sauhegan last yeah. week. And yeah. and what looks like a, yeah, just another track meet between those two teams. Yeah. You know, whereas Milford finishes the year with Conval this week, and then at Alvern, um, you know, so they're they're potentially looking at you know a six and three yeah. finish to their season too. When you think about it's how how well Milford's come along, though, I mean, they opened the season losing. To Hollis, who just got beat by Sauhegan, who then they turned around and yeah, yeah, slacked Sauhegan. So it's hard to gauge those things, but it sounds like Milford's really come along. I think the D two playoffs once again are going to be a roller coaster ride. I, I I think that's, I mean that's been the case the last two years with this format. Um, I'm sure the coaches go crazy worrying about what you know matchups and this and oh that. Yeah. I love it. I, yeah. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, it, it does make for an, it, Division Two. The uh, the cloudiness does make it entertaining. You know, you don't know how it's going to shake. And there's, like you said, it's pretty evenly matched. On any given night, you could see Hollis beating Alvern or, or, or whatever it is. You know, I mean, depending on who's who's up to play. You know, in the uh, next division down into Division Three. Um, you know, there were some games that were played last week. A uh, game that wasn't played last week. Um, yeah. But I don't know if we should talk about any of that because there is the game in Division Three coming up this week. Right. Of course, Manadnock hosting Campbell uh, on Friday. Both teams seven and zero. Yeah. Rematch of last year's championship game that Campbell won, twelve to six. 
Um, Chandler Matson coming off a huge game this weekend again uh, for Monadnock. I think he had over 200 yards rushing, and forget, I, I, I can see the stats in my mind's eye, but I can't I can't remember exactly, so I don't want to misquote it. But he's a beast. Campbell coming off of uh, I'm sure some a some crisp <laughs> some crisp practices <laughs> and a, a nice run maybe. Um, you know, of course they they end up getting a win uh, after Interlakes Moultonboro forfeits yeah. um, their game due to uh, a lack of players. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's an injury or illness that I've, I've seen both I read mentioned. somewhere that there were, there were, they were down, and then there was a mention somewhere. Again, completely, uh, who knows what the truth is, but somebody mentioned somewhere that then, that, you know, there were a couple kids that were out sick at the end of the week, and they right. just said, hey, can't go. We, we, yeah, not going to do this. Which incomprehensible. I can't, I, I can't even uh, comprehend. I mean, I, I'm just trying to remember. I think the last forfeit like that, I, I mean, it's got to be going back, I got to say, like six or seven years. Yeah. There was a, a game, I think, I want to say it was someone up north forfeited because they had to suspend a bunch of kids. Yeah. Um, and they, they didn't have enough left to, to, to play the game. Yeah. You got to wonder whether it was literally they didn't have enough to play. You know, I remember um, Pelham had had a couple of really down years in the old Division Three format, and um, when I was an assistant at Hollis Brookline, we were coming off a, a thirty-five nothing win at uh, Sauhegan. We had beaten Sauhegan, which is a huge win right, at, for yeah. anybody at any yeah. time, uh, especially back then. And we went and played Pelham the next week, and they had sixteen kids suited. They had sixteen kids suited up, and but they played. Um, so now I'm not trying to question the decisions that were made at Interlakes Moultonboro, but you know Pelham came in watching us beat Sauhegan 35 to right. nothing with yeah. their 16 kids, and and they still played you. And they played. Yeah, yeah I mean it wasn't a, it wasn't a good game. Um, Colin Powerin had 250 yards and four touchdowns on five carries. Yeah. <laughs> but they played. You yeah. know, so yeah. I, you know yeah. I, I I truly wonder did they really not have the right mix of enough kids or or you know what was the deal there? So. Campbell must have been pretty disappointed. Oh yeah, I yeah, think. I would think so too. Um, it's on the schedule as a seven nothing win. I was under the impression that they they called them two nothing wins and forfeits, but hmm. not that that's that's really <laughs> here nor there. I, I just <laughs> I think you just should write something. I just noticed. Yeah, <laughs> no, just happened to notice looking at the scheduling. Yeah. Um, but you yes, know, that's a huge matchup. It's it's kind of look. I mean, obviously the the winner of this game is pretty much locked in as the number one seed yep. um you know even with the game to go i gotta figure the losers the number two seed no one else in the division has less than two losses no. um i think of those teams Cam campbell and Manadnock hold the tiebreakers over them yeah you know so this is really i mean still these two teams are kind of in the driver's seat to yeah. get back to unh this year yeah and, and i think the difference this year is the the Manadnock defense I mean, they held uh, a really good Hillsborough during Hopkins and rushing attack to negative one yards a couple weeks ago. And, and, I mean, that's Colby Quiet. That's a pretty good offensive line over there. That's, I mean, he's he's been over 100 yards almost every week. Negative one yards for the game they held him to. Yeah, you know, they had a couple – they had that stretch there where they beat Trinity 18-13, and then they're, I think, scoreless until halftime against Newport before yep. winning 24 nothing. And you're kind of wondering – Which team is going to show up? Yeah. And then, yeah, the last two weeks, it's been 46-6 uh, uh, against Hillsborough Deering Hopkinton and 44-6 and, and last week against Laconia. Yeah, a one-loss Hillsborough Deering Hopkinton yeah. team and yeah. a very well-established, well-coached Laconia team. So yeah. 
you know, and then on the other side, Campbell, I think, has been more consistent, but not as dominant at the times where they've been up. So they've been a little bit more of a smooth sign curve, it seems to me, yeah. Campbell. Yeah. Um, so who knows? I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not putting any <laughs> Monopoly money on either of those. Oh. We'll have to see how it shakes out. Uh, you know, and then um, take a quick look at Division Four. Uh, you know, the game that everybody, I, and I, I, I'm guessing everybody's talking about it. I had officials talking to me about it this weekend. Was Franklin Winnesquam coming up in the last week of the season? Both um, undefeated. Both still undefeated yep. at five and zero. Oh. Um, you know, looking like well, Franklin's got newfound this week, which uh, their only loss is to Winnesquam, uh, so that could be a tough one for them. Um, you know, and then Winnesquam plays Bishop Brady, uh, which is, you know, got one win this year, so yeah. they looks like they will probably end up in that game undefeated. Um, you know, Newfound looks to be a lock for that third playoff spot. You know, and then right now you got Raymond and Fall Mountain both at two and three. Um, you know, tied for that uh, that fourth playoff spot. Wow. And when was the last time either of those programs? I'm not sure Raymond has. Been I don't in think the they've playoffs. ever been in the playoffs. And no. Fall Mountain, I think you'd have to go back to when um, John Lopa was the coach, and I forget who the running back was, but it was the, ki- I mean, this was back in the yeah, late before, 90s. Yeah, before my time. They had a time. running back who was uh, a really great player at St. Amsom's College. I can't remember the kid's name. I coached against them. My very first year coaching high school football. And they were they were, they were were pretty good then, but that they've been down for a long time. So, interesting. It would be nice if yeah. one of them had a winning yeah. record and, and, <laughs> and got in. I, I think <laughs> that'll end up being the case. I mean, yeah. they play seven games, so... Yep. You know, they've, they've got two chances or, or you know, hope someone will hopefully get two wins and get yeah. to, to, to four and three. And so that'll be a great story for either one of those programs, right? Yeah. I mean, that's – it, it make me feel good because I predicted that uh, <laughs> would be up this year, which yeah. not quite yet. But, yeah. hey, you make the playoffs, anything can happen. Any uh, any final thoughts before we rack up, wrap up uh, week eight here? No, I think there's, there's some really good matchups that are going to – you know, we were talking about that D1 playoff scenario. Well – it's all for naught if Merrimack takes Merrimack care of business, North yeah. Or, yeah. You know, any number of other couple things happen, so we'll be very, very solid, uh, or not, depending <laughs> on what happens uh, next week at this time. We might have to spend just an entire show talking about playoff scenarios in Division One. I'm sure people would love that. I, they might actually, <laughs> uh, especially if we got them right. Yeah, right. Uh, which is that's the that's <laughs> the hard part. <laughs> he is uh, Mike Lockman. Mike, thanks again for joining me. Absolutely. I am Joe Marcellina from nh-highschoolsports.com. Thanks for listening.